Welcome to the Shallow Dive on Koheles, the book of Ecclesiastes. Join us as we explore the treasures gathered by King Solomon. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, Koheles, Perg Dalid, Posig Vov. Chapter 4, verse 6 in Ecclesiastes. Tov melochaf nochas. Better one handful garnered through tranquility, satisfaction, from two fistfuls that are acquired through toil and vexation of spirit. So there are a number of interpretations here. Let's take a look at Tagum first. Tav ligevar melechofne michlo bechanias nefash ubelogzelo vachatufin. Better for man to fill his his palm with a resting of the spirit, meaning of of the. Uh, the calmness of spirit, and not through theft or grabbing. Interesting that he links the two, meaning setting aside the the punishment aspect before you get to that. Chatofen means to grab which is not necessarily theft. So it's a separate component. Theft is strictly prohibited. But what they share in common, theft and grabbing, is that they're both a form of acquisition that is going to leave the person with an unsettled spirit. So that's it's, it's better for a person to to take, as we said, a smaller amount, just filling up the palms with a calmness of spirit that's not tainted by stealing or grabbing. This is better than getting two fistfuls that are achieved through theft and grabbing, and in the future he will pay. It's it's not going to be actually the free lunch. It's going to cost him in the future. He's going to to be judged for this, and it's it's it will end up being a toil, as it were. And a breaking of the spirit. So that the the end result of theft and, and the grabbing, although he may gain more monetarily or in terms of the utilization, his, uh, his spirit will not be restful or tranquil. And in the end, he's going to have to pay for it uh, in a manner that that will not be 
worth it. Rashi says, Tov melochaf nachas, liyazkona nachasim at umyegio. Better to achieve one handful that's in tranquility than and he says umyegio, through his toil. Meaning, yes, he's going to have to work for it. It doesn't mean he doesn't need to work. This is coming off the heels of the previous verse, talking about the one who is lazy and ends up starving. Also in contrast to two verses prior, one who is extremely driven um, through jealousy. So, so here we have somebody that has an, an option. Everybody has this option how to go about enriching themselves and what that actually means. So here he's, he's saying that the ideal is that a person should not just seek acquisition for acquisition's sake at all costs. That, that would be a, a, a very expensive and, and not actually beneficial course of action, but rather try and acquire a smaller amount that is through one's own exertion. Rashi adds in, even though it says kaf melo uh, kaf nachas, a, a handful or a, a palmful through tranquility, Rashi injects over here that means through his toil. So where is the tranquility? The nachas is, is a sense of satisfaction that will be experienced, as it were, by his creator. God will be proud. God will be pleased with a person who toils to sustain himself. And he's doing so in a manner that is limited. He's not going on a, a boundless acquisition spree that, that, that has no end. It's not living the ideal of consumerism. It's limited. There's a sense of what do I need? What is, what is worthwhile for me to exert myself towards spending my time and energy in the acquisition and toiling for it. Umiyagiyo. He understands. He needs to work to sustain himself. And there will be through that nachas, a sense of satisfaction to his creator. So reading that back into the Pasuk, tov melochaf nachas. Better that there will be one handful that he needs to toil for that will bring satisfaction to his creator. That is better than fistfuls that are through Omal Uruusrach, which he continuing in this same vein, Rashi interprets, an acquisition of much wealth that is achieved through sin. That this is 
a, a burden, as it were, and a source of sadness of spirit before the Creator, before God. So, even if it's easier for him to steal or to grab, it's easier for him in the sense of he'll acquire more. But what really matters is in the, in the broader scheme of, of life is will this course of action bring nachas ruach, liotro, will it bring satisfaction to his creator? Will God be proud of us? Will he feel that this is what he had intended when he created you? You're fulfilling that? Or will it be a vexation of spirit? Will it be a burden, as it were, before God, at contravening his will? So that's, that is, it is God's will that we have the choice. Being created in his image, we have the choice. But the choice that is worthwhile, King Solomon is telling us, is to toil for a limited amount and sustain ourselves honestly. That's Rashi's interpretation. That the nachas and the ruach is going on the Creator. Take a look at the Mitsudas, Mitsudas David. He says as follows Tov, Yosetov, Laharviach Ma'at. It's better to profit a limited amount. Kimula Kafayad, like the amount that would fill the palm of the hand. It's better to acquire a smaller, limited amount through tranquility and a, a sense of uh, calmness. That option is better than profiting in, in, a, in a large way. Like two fistfuls. That is achieved through a huge effort of toil and a breaking of the will. So Matsudas David is weaving this into the previous theme of a person not following others, not, not choosing to do what they do or not do what they do based on a sense of, of social recognition or jealousy. He's saying over here that if a person has an option to do something that they love, do something that is going to bring them satisfaction, even if it's not the most lucrative job, they, they have another opportunity to, to get a job that pays more. So he says, what, what should be the determining factor is not just strictly, well, what's my income going to be? That, that should not be the determining factor. A person needs to look at their needs 
That's important. A person needs to try and find a way to honestly sustain themselves, but within the options. Matsudas is saying, okay, let's say that we're, we're past that. We're not talking about a person necessarily engaging in any type of prohibited activity. He has two legitimate jobs that he can take on. But one is something that he has no sense of sipuk from, no sense of satisfaction from. It's a job. He can do it, but he doesn't feel enjoyment from it. Even though it pays much more handsomely, he says that it's going to be with a heaviness of toil. All the while that he's doing it, he's going to be squirming. It's not worth it. It's breaking his spirit to take on such a job. It's better for him to do something that he loves. Do something that he really wants to be doing. And he'll be enjoying it. He's going to be doing something that's, that, that he relates to. So the, the, once he's within the realm of accomplishing his, his goal, I've got to sustain myself. Within the choices of how to do that, choose what you love. Choose what you enjoy. That while you're working, you're not just in misery as long as the clock is running. You checked in till you can check out. That's not a life that a person should choose for themselves. They should find a way to sustain themselves that even if it's a more meager income will be something that is aligned with their values, aligned with what they want to do personally. Not something that they feel miserable about and will just enjoy the paycheck. That's, that's not the, uh, you know, between those choices, he's saying, once you've got what you need, which is obviously a baseline requirement, when a person is osik bishubashalolam, engaging in the, the settlement and development of civilization, a person has to contribute meaningfully. Once a person is, is within that realm, choose something that speaks to you as an individual. I, I remember not that long ago, I was at, the, at a store, there's a, a fishmonger, and he had prepared the fish, did, did a nice job, I was watching, and he said that he feels so much satisfaction from preparing a fish properly. I said, that's, that's really excellent, that's wonderful. You're doing what you should be doing. Right? This is something that the world needs, and he's doing it, and he's enjoying it, and he's providing the surface, this service, and, and that's great. That's, that's much better for him than doing something else that might be more lucrative that, that he feels miserable, miserable about. So we, we need to be living while we're working to sustain ourselves, not, not uh, just looking forward to a larger payout. That's Mitsuda's David. The Ibn Ezra says, Tov, Divre Haksilhu, 
These are the words of the fool. Haomer daily melokapi lechem benachas memelokaf naim baomal uruus ruach. Sheyach shavot amodavar asid mayochal mochar. Vuhulo yoda mayliv yom. The Ibn Ezra is working on, again, according to his interpretation of this series of verses, he's contrasting two poles of foolishness of the person who is driven by envy versus a person who is lazy and has no drive whatsoever. And he says that at this point, the statement, Tov melochaf nachas, melochaf naim amal ruach, this statement of the verse, verse 6, is reflecting the words of the fool. He says, why should a person acquire more? Why should a person acquire two fistfuls? He says, a person doesn't know what the future will bring, even what today will be. So therefore, don't think ahead. So the Ibn Ezra is, is learning, unlike the previous commentaries, that this is to be understood as a, a course of action that's actually not recommended but recommended by the fool. So, he's, he's saying, the truth would be that it's better to think ahead, better to get the two fistfuls that require ex extra toil and think ahead than to just say, well, who knows what, what is going to be? I might as well just get the bare minimum I, I need for today and not bother with extra exertion for tomorrow. And he, the Ibn Ezra is saying that this reflects the, the, the laziness of the ksil, the, the fool. And it's not actually recommended. A person, according to the Ibn Ezra, should work extra in anticipation of a future time that there, there will be a need for some savings, a need for some reserves. So even though he doesn't need two fistfuls now, if he anticipates that that is a reasonable expectation, that he will need more in the future, so he, he should engage in a little bit of extra exertion and not just say, well, who knows what, what's going to be tomorrow or even today. So he's, the Ibn Ezra is saying, open up a retirement account. Put some money aside. It's, it's, a, it's better, even though it requires more work now, if you anticipate having the, the potential of, of a potential rough patch or of not being able to have the same income that you have today, it's worthwhile to try and set aside a little bit towards the future, even though it's correct. A person doesn't know what the future will bring. The Sephardim says, "Amnam tov melochaf nachas." 
he adds in Omna, which is interesting. We don't actually have that in our Girsa. Our text does not have this word. But it means in, in contrast, however. Tov melo chafnachas, ma sheyusad bishtadlus memutza, masig ha-hechreichi. Ba'ofen shiye eze eis ha-kosher le'ion olamaisa. So the, the Svarno is learning that a person should try and find a right balance, engage in the right amount of toil for what a person needs in, in a manner that he allots himself adequate time for Eon and Misa, meaning for delving into wisdom and for action that is outside of his work life, action of good deeds, action of aspirations, aspirational goals that he has. So when, when a person is thinking about what they should take on in the realm of work, the Svarno is saying the first consideration is Find what you need and build your life around that. This, these are your needs? Okay, so work in a manner that you can fulfill those needs, but in a way that it's not, it doesn't become your entire life. A person needs to set, set limits on what they consider needs so that they can live a life and has other values, values of Iyun, values of Maisa. person needs to set time for the development of their understanding of knowledge and wisdom and for, for action, for action that's, that is, is what they want to do, not just to survive, but actions that they value. So that, that balance is going to be kafnachas. He's saying that, that if a person sets their bar at what they need to sustain themselves, they can make room for other values in life besides just sustaining oneself. That's, that's critical, but that's not what all of life is about. A person needs to have iyun, a person needs to have maisa, and setting aside time for that is critical. That's that a person needs to do that to have the kafnachas. Yeah. So Eun and Maisa are both critical to the, the human life that's well lived. As the Svarna has mentioned earlier, the Maisa is is the actions that a person engages in that brings their eon into fruition, into actuality. So if a person just learns about something but doesn't actualize it, it's it's missing. It's it's lacking in the the full expression of that knowledge in, into reality. So so both are necessary. If a person doesn't have the eon, then their misa will be deficient. If they don't actually 
if they don't learn, if they don't achieve wisdom, then their actions are going to be uh, missing the 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 fullest sense of what it can, what their actions can be. So it's it's a symbiotic relationship between Eun and Misa. The Eun, the, the delving into wisdom, is necessary to have one's actions be the fullest expressions of their life that they can, that they can achieve. So, so it's not a matter of one without the other. If, if one has to choose, one needs to set time aside for both. And, and that's, uh, that's the idea that this one I mentioned earlier, that the Misa is, the, is, the, is a critical component that will bring a person to, to Olam Haba. A person needs to fulfill mitzvahs, to, to fulfill and actualize the will of God in this world. We need to learn how to do that, and we need to do it. So we, we need to have time for both, and we cannot allow our work that's just geared towards sustaining ourselves to fill up our entire existence. That's, that's not what human life is all about. So the, the nachas will be achieved when we limit the exertion that we put in towards sustaining ourselves and deliberately make room for Eon and Misa. To, to quote uh, Charlie Munger, he said that he made his living, at least earlier in his career, through selling his time. As a professional, it's, it's a common thing that people do, whatever profession they're in, they sell their time, be it an attorney or an accountant. Their time is valuable and they charge by the hour, or sometimes in smaller increments than that. And he realized that he wanted to buy for himself, as it were, some of that time. So he sold himself what he valued as the most productive hour or hours of his day to make sure he had time for Eon and Misa. Right? The, the, the ability to earn more money was there, but he didn't need it. So he carved away time for Eon and Misa. And that, that's, that is the idea that this farm is saying for a life well-lived for a person to have nachas, they need to make sure that they do carve away time for Eon and Maisa. This is better than fistfuls through toil. He says, why is it burdensome? It's burdensome because he's exerting himself for things that are, by definition, not necessary. So it becomes a type of toil. He becomes enslaved, as it were, because he's spending his precious time to achieve things that are not really of essential value. Or Usruach, 
it, it's a vexation of spirit if he is honing his skills just for the sake of jealousy. So he, he may be making himself more valuable in a sense to be able to earn more, but still it's going to be a vexation of spirit or a breaking of spirit if it's done in the spirit of jealousy as we saw before and in, in the other commentaries that this component of a person's, a person's life which is significant it's, it's certainly from the top questions you know we can debate about the order but the top questions that a person is asked at the end of their their life is about their business Did they engage in business with faithfulness were they honest did they you know, if they were a shoemaker, did they make good shoes? Did they sell, did they sell them for an honest price? All the, the facets of honesty and, and faithfulness that go into how each person chooses to be osik, be shalom, that is a significant and critical part of our lives here. But we shouldn't allow that to take over our entire lives, not in the pursuit of extras, and also not in the pursuit of jealousy. Both are, are deviations from the highest usage of our time here. Let's take a look at the next Pasuk. Pasuk Zion, verse 7. V'ere hevel And I went back I contemplated and I saw a fleetingness under the sun. Rashi says, under the heavens in this world. What is this, this fleetingness he's talking about? He's, he's mentioned this idea many times. Targum pretty much mirrors the Hebrew in his Aramaic translation. Usavis ano, and I returned. Vachazes havolo, and I saw a a hot air, just a vanity, as it were. De iskizar the meheve baalmadein that was decreed to be in this world. Techos shimsha under the sun. The Ben Ezra over here explains, Shafti mistakel bedivrezaxil. That he's ruminating over the words of this fool. Right, the Ben Ezra said the previous verse were not actually words of wisdom, but words of the fool. Viroisi. It says, the words of foolishness are not limited to one end of the spectrum. There's another foolish perspective at the other extreme. So it's an introduction 
to the next verse. Verse 8. Yesh echad ve'en sheni. There is one and not a second. One person, but not a second person. Gam ben va'ach lo. Likewise, he has no son and no brother. Ve'en kates l'chol amalo. And there is no end to all of his toil. Gam eno losis ba'oshe. Also, his eye will not be sated with accumulation of wealth. Ulemi ani omo. And for who am I toiling? Umachasers nafshi mitova. And restricting my soul from enjoying the goodness. Gamzehevel. King Solomon says this also, this solitary miser, this also is Hevel. Vinyan Rahu. This is vanity and a vexation. This is a, an evil matter. So the Ibn Ezra continues in his explanation of this verse. Yesh echod, itochin hios sheni chover omesharis. It's possible that the second, when we said in the beginning of the verse, there's one and not a second, that it means a friend or uh, a mishores is somebody that accompanies or services o isha she ezer or it could mean a reference to a wife and he says that that is what he thinks is more correct in the interpretation of the verse yesh echod ben means that he is alone without a wife there's no end to all his toil. Says the Ibn Ezra, He has wealth. There's no end for him, and his soul is not satisfied or quieted from constant acquisitiveness. He has a constant drive to acquire. He's a workaholic. Why doesn't he think in his heart? For who am I toiling? And why should I make a lack for myself from any pleasure? Behold, Nobody will inherit me. That my soul should rejoice. If I was, if I had a brother or a son that I was toiling for, that at least they'll be able to enjoy it. So that would be some sense of satisfaction from my toil. But this guy, he has no wife, he has no son, he has no brother, and he's a workaholic. And he doesn't take any enjoyment from all of his toil. Gamza Hevel continues Ibn Ezra, this is also hot air. Hosif Gam Harishon Hevelhu Why does it say Gam 
also. Gam Zahavel, this too is hot air. This, this too is, is vanity. This is in contrast to the first, well, when I say contrast, it's, it's, it's a reference to the first fool, the first fool that was lazy. So, let's take a look at the verse he's quoting in Proverbs. So if you take a look over there in chapter 30, verse 8, it says, Shov udvar chozov harachik mimeni. That something that is meaningless or crooked, distance from me. Reish ve'osher al titenli. Poverty and wealth don't give me. Hatrifeni lechem chuki. Provide for me my needs. Give me my, my bread, my sustenance without the challenges of poverty or excessive wealth. That's what King Solomon says over there. So the Ezra is importing that over here. He says, V'im shneim ksilim, if both are fools, meaning both extremes, a person who is poor because of he doesn't do any work. He doesn't engage in, in any manner to sustain himself. On the other extreme, you have the fool who is the workaholic and pushing himself to acquire more and more for no end. He says, if both of these at the extremes are fools, who is the wise one? The wise one is a person who in moderation, rejects poverty and the acquisition of excess wealth. The, the wise one is who, the one who finds this middle path, who seeks to sustain himself in moderation. So the, the addition of the word gam Gamzahavel, this too is vanity, is both ends of the spectrum. They are both considered Hevel. Xilarishan Hevel who Kamoha Akron. But both are a a failure of a person using their time appropriately. The one who's consuming his time in laziness, not doing anything productive, and the other who is consuming his life in productivity to a certain sense that is beyond what he should be engaging with for that aspect of his existence. Both are heaven. Let's take a look 
Back to Rashi. We have a Rashi on this. Pasuk Ches. Verse 8. There is one and not two. So we saw that Ben Ezra is leaning towards interpreting that as not having a wife. Let's see how Rashi goes through this. You have a person who does his things alone. This is a loner. He does his stuff alone. He doesn't have any partnerships. He doesn't work with anybody. He only does things by himself. It's There is no second one. He is not a team player. Also, he doesn't have a son or a brother. Rashi explains, If he is a sage, He doesn't exert himself to acquire a student that will be like a son. Or a colleague that will be like a brother. So he might be a sage, but if he doesn't reach out to have son or brother with his wisdom, so that's, that is a, the solitary person here that is being bemoaned. Vim Ravaku, if he is single. Eino no Isha, he doesn't marry a woman. Lios lokaach to be like a brother to help him. Uloli ben, and to give birth to a son. So Rashi, like the Ibn Ezra, does have one of his interpretations of this verse, referring to Echod Sheni, a single man who doesn't have a partner, and the way he Continues the verse, Gam bein va'ach einlo, that by not marrying a woman who will be like a brother to help him to give birth to a son and to give birth to a son, so the, the fallout of being echod ve'ensheni, one without a second, without this partner, is that he, he is alone without companion and without family, without a growing family. Ve'im socherhu. So he spoke about a sage, he spoke about a man. Now he's talking about in business. Eina kono lo shudfim. If he's in business and does everything independently, doesn't have any business partners, v'yotsu l'derechichidi. And he does everything by himself. Ve'ein kates cholamolo. Then there is no end to all of his toil. Yoga Bigirsa. He will be worn out through his study. Going back to the first interpretation. If he does not have anybody to work with, students to teach, or colleagues with which to engage in wisdom, he may wear himself out. 
ואם סוחר, if it's in business, אומה בפרקמטיה. His toil in business has no end. He's got to do every single job himself. גם אינו לא סיס באושר. Also, his, his eye will not be sated with the acquisition of wealth. He will not be satisfied with the reasonings within the Torah. Much Torah is learned through the interplay between teacher and student. And if he does not have students... So he's going to be missing a critical aspect of the wealth of acquisition of Torah and he won't be satisfied through his own toil exclusively. Shifting back to the other interpretation of the verse of in business, he says, Kipshuto. His eye will not be satisfied with the acquisition of wealth. He will always be running after the money. And for who am I toiling? If I don't have students, so, so where is the continuity of the wisdom that I am toiling in? I need to stand up students. As the Yerushalmi says in Sanhedrin, If there are not young kids, there will not be he-goats. That the, the future development requires students, requires teaching students. They are the future. So that's a critical component of being a link in the chain of the divine wisdom is having students. And similarly, Why am I toiling? For who am I toiling? If I don't marry a woman to give birth to children. Where is the continuity? Where's, where's the, the future here? Interesting that he threw through the whole verse, he really has three interpretations, and he toggles back and forth with the interpretation of getting married and the interpretation of business. Let's see the Targum over here. Verse 8. There is a man alone, and there is no second Aside from him. Af berav, af acha, even a brother, uh, even a, a son, and even a brother, Leslie, he does not have, lemeras, yes, nechsoi, to inherit his assets. Vele sof, lechol torche, and there's no end to all his toil. Vaf, aine, lo secho lemispa, asre, and even his eyes cannot be satisfied with acquisition of his wealth. Velo yema belibe. And the tragic part is he does not say in his heart, Lema dinan anatarach. 
for what am I exerting myself? And causing my soul to lack from good. I should get up and do with my assets, give some charity. I should engage in acts of righteousness with my wealth. And I will rejoice in this world by giving from our hard-earned assets, we actually are able to rejoice ourselves. In Benayanasha, with other people, we will have satisfaction. We're bringing joy to other people that are lacking. We will rejoice through that as well, with them. As well, in he will also rejoice through acts of charity, in the world to come with the righteous. So the person who's just acquiring wealth and acquiring wealth, begrudging himself any enjoyment from his wealth, it's a tragedy. This too is futility. It's, it's an evil matter. He doesn't stop to think. What am I doing with all this acquisition, which I never am satisfied from just having another dollar? What's the point? He should allow himself to rejoice with it, not just physical rejoicing through the enjoyment of his assets, but spiritual rejoicing. He'll rejoice with people, a sense of true satisfaction that he's able to accomplish something with it, and beyond this world's satisfaction, he'll have the rejoicing in the world to come with the righteous. If somebody doesn't stop to think about it, then their whole life can be consumed with a lack of satisfaction. That's it's a tragedy. It's an evil. Inyan Rahu. As Sforno explains, Yeshech ben Sheni, this is included in the evil deeds that I have seen. There's such a person that's a lone wolf operator. He has no friends. He has no social connections. Nobody with which he can engage with kindly, or perform acts of charity, nobody can receive from him. Gam, gam kein, he says, ach, ein lo, ve'en ketzel kolamolo, lahasig mosros le'intachlis. He's just acquiring for no purpose. Gam eno lo sispa'oshe, lo yismachbo. His eye will not be sated with acquisition of wealth. He will not rejoice in that wealth. For whom am I toiling? This Farna is, is again touching on this point. The correct balance of acquisition of wealth should be based on our needs. And he's toiling so much beyond what he needs, so it's burdensome. And he's restricting his soul from fulfillment. 
He's not taking the opportunity to achieve an eternal value of, of the completion of self that he can with what he has. This path, this approach is it's futile with no purpose. There, there is no no value to this endless toil that does not help him achieve any lasting good. And it's an evil matter. There is no end to how much more he can acquire. He's holding his soul back from appreciating good, as I've explained. And Mitzudah David says, There is one. Similar that he does things by himself. There's not a second with him. He doesn't partner with anybody to help him in toil. Also, a son and a brother he doesn't have. In order to inherit the wealth that he has acquired through his toil. There's no end to all his toil. At all times, he feels his drive to acquire and never have a sense of rest, never be tranquil. He never has a sense of satiation. He doesn't feel a sense of satisfaction from the wealth that he has already acquired. It's not enough. It's just never enough, and he'll never rest because it's never enough. The only drive he has is to acquire more. It's, it's a pathological acquisition. More, more, more. There's no end. There's no rest. There's no satisfaction. He should stop to think. For who am I toiling? He doesn't stop to think. For who am I toiling? To cause a lack in my soul from any appreciation of good and tranquility and rest. I don't have a son or a brother to inherit me. In the end, where will all of my toil go? To others, to strangers. All of his, his acquisition is going to go to some gain that, that he is not going to appreciate. Even though slothfulness is deplorable at the other extreme the one who is a workaholic and constantly toiling it's also a matter of futility and an evil matter so both again he's working with this idea both extremes are are to be avoided
Tovim hashnaim mino echot. Two are better than one. Asher yesh lahem sachar tov ba'amolo. That they will achieve a good reward for their toil. Rashi explains, Tovim hashnaim lechol davar. This is a very generic rule. Two are better than one for everything. Mino echod, from one. Lefikach, therefore, yiknelo adam chaver. A man should acquire a friend. Visa isha, and a man should marry a woman. They will achieve more through their toil. Adam la'amal yulat, a man is brought into this world to toil, he will achieve more through his toil in partnership. It's not just a a matter of synergy that one plus one will equal more than two. It's not not only that. Rashi says there are many things, many creative projects that are accomplished by two, that cannot be undertaken by one. It, it's a whole different plane of amelus, that the toil that two can achieve, are, are the, the vistas available are beyond what one can do. Each one by themselves cannot even embark upon upon this project. One person by themselves is not going to build a family. That's not a it's not a reasonable project. This is something that two together can embark upon. The the toil that can be accomplished by two begins with a start. But that start comes from a vision that is grounded in who is starting. When you have two starting a project, so much more can go into that vision. And, and of course, the the result of that is much will be accomplished by the visionaries working together than by one person working in a linear manner by themselves. For example, Rabbi Fassman, Allah Shalom, the Rosh Kolo in Los Angeles, he started with a partner, Rabbi Rubenstein. He said it was a blessing that he had no idea what he was getting himself into. He said he knew it would be a lot of work. But had he really had an inkling of the truth of how much work he would actually have to invest in the Kolal of Los Angeles, he said he would have been daunted and would not have gone ahead. So the fortitude to engage in such a project 
Part of it was the blessing. He didn't realize how much there was, but part of it is that he had a partner. He was bold, emboldened. He's got a partner to work with. As an individual, a sole, single person, he would not have engaged in such a challenging project. Let's take a look at Targum. Tovin Tartin Tzadikayo Bidara. Better are two righteous ones in a generation. Yatir Minchado. More than one. Of course, the more righteous, the better, right? And in a generation that has a plethora, well, maybe can never have too many, but has a multitude by good fortune, and they, they will be, the generation is receptive to the righteous. They will achieve a good reward in the world to come through all of their exertion. They're engaging in a lot of tircha. To achieve what? To give sovara. Sovara is, is understanding of sound thinking to the generation. The righteous have the vision that is not independent of their times. They are placed. Medr says that God placed the righteous sparingly among the various generations. And they're not, although righteousness is timeless, but the actual ability to be righteous is very timely. How to actualize righteousness very much depends on the situation. And the exertion that the righteous engage to convey straight thinking to their generation will be richly rewarded. They're placed there, whether it be if it's only one, okay, it's not as good. Two are better. That's what he's saying. There's, there's a synergy that's accomplished when there are voices of righteousness. If there are more, by good fortune, even better, they will all achieve reward for the toil that they toil to convey sovara, the soundness of thought, to their generation, to, to be a signal, a truthful signal in a context, every generation has its Ruach Hazman, its spirit of the times, which the spirit of the times is just that. It, it's not necessarily employing Svara, it's not working with sound thought necessarily, it's a spirit of the times. So the, the guidance that the righteous offer is critical and the toil that they invest in the generation will be richly rewarded. 
the, the goal of the righteous should not be to isolate themselves hermetically from their generation. They need to be connected to their generation and convey righteousness to their times, to those in their generation. How to think soundly, how to process something that will yield righteousness in the context of their generation. And the Mitzudah's David says, Tovim hashnaim, shnaim ha'oskim yachad. Two that work together, yoser tov mina echad ha'osei It's better than one who works independently. Asher l'shnaim yish revach tov ba'molam. Ki yistakru habit. The two will have a greater profit through their toil because they will reap greater rewards. A person who works by themselves will not have the same windfall. The Menezra explains, Tovim, Yoshev Alexil, Shulavado. This is going back on the solitary fool, the miser. Vioma, hello, hello, tov lias lo, mi, shishaber imo, viazeros. It would have been better for him to not be this solitary miser, but to connect and to have assistance through that connection. And then the two of them, if he has a friend, a partner, the two of them will have a good reward from their joint toil. And that is the eating and the drinking. It's a bit of a curious statement. What does the Ibn Ezra mean? That will be the eating and the drinking. So I, I would suggest, looking back at the verse, it says, es This miser is holding his soul back from being able to enjoy the fruits of his labor. He's so focused on acquisition, just getting more and more, that he can't step back and enjoy himself. So that is a, a, a vexation. It's, it's, it's a wasted path that he's choosing. And at the very minimum, the Ibn Ezra is saying, by having a partner with which to toil, when they sit down to eat and drink, the very fact that they're eating together will allow them to slow down and enjoy it. They worked hard, now they're going to sit and eat together and drink together. That, that step away from the focus on the toil in of itself will undo mechaser's nafshimitova. He's, he's only holding himself back from enjoying because he's so focused on acquiring more. So even when he is eating or drinking, he's not enjoying it. But if he's toiling with somebody, the act of partnership itself will allow him, together with another person, in the shared experience, to enjoy. Together they'll enjoy. Right? That the, the enjoyment of the eating and drinking by slowing it down taking a break from the work. That, that camaraderie will allow them 
together to reap the actual enjoyment of their labor. Whereas when he's alone, constantly with a laser focus on the acquisition, he'll never enjoy the eating and drinking. He's not going to enjoy it by himself. See this far now? Tovim ashnaim min echad. Better are the two than one. And from the evil that I have seen, this is what transpires to those that grab onto the Torah, that sometimes they are dispersed. Each one in his own separate place sits isolated to learn. And behold, it's better for them to learn two together. The learning is a process of achieving, striving to achieve the truth. And by learning with another person, a person as a partner in their learning, they'll have a built-in mechanism to weed out falsehood. It's less likely for both of them, when they're learning together, to fall prey to the same mistake. One person might fall prey to one mistake, the other person might fall prey to another mistake. When they learn together, each one will correct the other's mistakes. Alpirov, in general, in general, it's a, a safety measure that is built into learning together to avoid errors that the individual might be blinded to. So, in the pursuit of truth, better to pursue it as two rather than one. That's the Balaturim in his description of the Kruvim on top of the holy ark, the cherubs, it says that symbolizes two approaching the truth that is between them from each perspective. That only God is one. All of creation is binary. Positive and negative charge. Within creation, the ability to strive towards the one is facilitated in tandem between the two. So that's the, the symbol on top of the ark, the, the word of God, the truth with which he revealed himself to us, is apprehended between the two. So that's the idea that Sparno is saying, they're more likely able to apprehend the truth accurately when there are two working towards it as opposed to one going it alone. Let's take a look at the Medrash. Going back to verse 6. Tov malochaf nachas. Better to have a handful that is achieved in nachas, in satisfaction, tranquility, 
Told me Shushona Halachos Viragalahem. Better is one who learns Halachos, he familiarizes himself himself with the divine guidance of how to live his life. Viragalahem. And he reviews and he makes himself comfortable with them through that process. He becomes accustomed through them. That's better. That's better than somebody who covers more material. He has halachos and midos. But he doesn't go back and review and ruminate upon those guiding principles. He just learns quickly and moves on. That's not as good. So the Midrashic interpretation of the advantage of having a smaller amount, melochaf nachas, that is when a person is able to understand better, they're, they're more comfortable with that understanding due to their review and rumination over the principles that they've learned, that's better even though they will have acquired less in a certain sense. They haven't covered as much. It's a very big tarot. So they're, they're missing some aspects to it, but that's better and preferable to somebody who is grabbing fistfuls, but in a very superficial manner. It's going to be a ruach, it be a vexation of spirit. They don't have the the same the same gain, uh, even though they have more in a in, in a uh, quantitative sense. But the qualitative sense is sorely lacking. So this is exemplified by a proverb Maslo Amar Tavachado Tsipara Better one bird Kifusa that is captive Minmea Parachayim from a hundred that are fluttering That's somewhat similar to the adage that a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Over here we're describing the acquisition of divine wisdom. And yes, there's a certain gain of being in proximity to a hundred birds fluttering. You, You see them, you get a sense of them, but they're not in your hand. They're not being held. The one bird that is being held is more valuable than a hundred that are all around you, but you don't have any of them. So the, the, a better acquisition of a smaller amount is preferable to a, a loose association with much, with, 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 with many teachings. Or Usruach, Dove Acher, 
Tov melochaf nachas. An alternative interpretation. Tov mishu who oset sedaka meuta mishalo. Better is one who gives charity in a measured amount from himself. Mishu gozo the chom is voshek. That's preferable to one who steals and pressures others in their business and holds back what is the the amount that is due to their employees or to to their counterparties in business. Somebody who engages in, in these shady business practices, the Michel and he gives a lot of charity with other people's money. So it's better to give a little charity from what's earned honestly than a lot of charity with somebody else's money. Uh, Shirkin said that his, his brother said that he's donating one honest dollar. <laughs> right? One honest dollar is worth a lot more than a huge sum that was acquired through cro- crooked means. Right? That God has everything. He doesn't need you to step up and cut corners in order to give charity. Uh, the, the value of giving tzedakah, of giving charity, is for the person that is giving it from what is rightfully theirs. It's a story with Rosh Hashanah that somebody offered to give him the tovas hana of all of his all of his tzedakah money. The guy had a lot of income, honest income, and he said, who better to determine how to invest that money in the, in the highest way for tzedakah than Rav Shlomo Zaman Arbach? And Rav Shlomo Zaman said, no, you're wrong. If God gave that money to you, so you should determine, to the best of your ability, how to give this money out for tzedakah. It's not, it, you should not outsource how to give charitably. That's the, if God gave it to you, so God wants you to determine, to the best of your ability, how to give it out. You shouldn't outsource and and have somebody else determine how to give your tzedakah. That's what Shlomo Zalman told him. And, and I think that the idea is related over here that it's, it's not a matter of, of the amount. The, the raw amount is, is not the significant component of the tzedakah, but it's that he's giving... Michelot. Meuta Michelot. Even if it's a small amount. Of course, if it's a great amount, so all the more so. He, he needs to, to be meticulous in, in the, the power vested with his tzedakah money. He can do a lot with it. He needs to, to treat it even more seriously, perhaps. But it's coming, Michelot. It's coming from him. It's from what has been gifted to him 
And he needs to give it out. He needs to, yeah, he can take Eitzah. He can ask for, for advice about, you know, learn the halachas. Of course, he needs to have guidance in how to most um, effectively invest his tzedakah money. But to just blindly hand it over to somebody else, to, to put them in charge of his foundation, that, Rishul Mazaman said, is a mistake. It needs to be mishelo. Whether it's a lot or a little, of course, it should be honest, but it needs to be mishelo. Coming from him. So, so the, the amount is, is not where the focus should be, obviously. The, the ends don't justify the means. A person shouldn't engage in unethical behavior to acquire wealth with the eye on doing good things with it. It needs to be that whatever excess they have that they can do good with to give tzedakah from needs to be coming from them. So the from them needs to be from their honest toil. The Medrash has another interesting proverb based on this idea. Masla Omar Gaifa Bachazurin Umefalgo Levishayo Noefes it's disparaging uh, a woman who has a business that she should not be engaging in, and she's acquiring apples as her wage, her, her wages, and then she distributes the apples to the, the sick. So better for her not to get so many apples and not to distribute those apples to the sick. Have an honest source of income. Even if it means less ability to give charitably. Better for a person who is engaging in business to utilize the wealth that they have to invest it, to increase their wealth, that's a better plan from somebody who borrows money and then ends up losing it in a bad venture. Obviously, that's, uh, that, that, the, the idea being that the smaller amount that he can afford to engage in the business proposition that has risks will be benachas. It's kaf nachas. If it's other people's money, he's going to be sweating bullets. If it's his own money, he can afford to, to take on these risks. So that's preferable. Of course, the goal is not to lose the money. The goal is to make money. But when it's with his own money as opposed to other people's money, he doesn't run into the danger of a wicked person borrows and doesn't repay. There's a risk involved. If he's borrowing money, then what if it doesn't work out? It would be wickedness for him to borrow and not repay. So he's going to be very uneasy over the course of this venture if he's taking that kind of risk. 
the risk of not being able to pay back. Ros Ruach, Ruhusu Dihave Miskere Bipragmatia. Right? The, the vexation of spirit that things happen in business. Even if it was great, the prospectus was amazing, the risks were low. By every textbook, business advisor will tell you, do the deal. Still, things happen. And sometimes that very low risk can materialize and everything can be lost. So the advantage of not risking other people's money in a venture that can go sour, that advantage is the advantage of Nachas Ruch. He'll be comfortable and tranquil that the risk, he's taking the risk by himself. He's not putting other people's money at risk, that they are lending it to him in a way that they may not get it back. Right? This, of course, he's not telling you not to make a syndication. You can go into partnership, and different people are partners in a deal with their own money. That's fine. But he's saying that the, the uh, taking on of debt to finance a deal is, is not as advantageous if the, the, the borrower uh, ends up not paying, even if it's due to a risk that was materially known at the beginning, if it, it was a low risk, but if it actually happens, he doesn't want to be in the position of low verasha in a mashal, that he's a, a wicked borrower that doesn't repay. So that's... Uh, I would suggest that, that the potential um, lenders, if, they're, if, if they become stakeholders to a degree, so then that would be avoided. Or if it's understood from the beginning as a non-recourse loan at a higher interest rate, so that also could compensate for this, that, that the lender is taking on that added risk of knowing that they may not get the, back their money. The real problem we're talking about is somebody who lends money with the absolute expectation of the integrity of the person they're lending to, that they will get their money back. We're talking about the, the mitzvah of lending money. So if, if that is abused, even if it's to some degree not the fault of the borrower, it's, it's, a, um, it's a course of action that, that should be avoided. It's better for the person to invest their own money and, and not expose their their lender to a risk that uh, that they were relying on. Yes, they had this money available to lend as a mitzvah, as, as let's say an interest-free loan, something like that, where they're trusting the borrower, and then the borrower didn't end up paying back. That's that's the fistfuls that lead to amal or usruach. To, to dig himself out of that, to be able to ultimately pay back his lender, can be fraught with with frustration. Ros Ruach, Amrabi Yaakov, Berebi Kurshai, Tob Melochaf Nachas, Lolam Habo. 
Better to achieve a palm full of tranquility for the world to come than to acquire fistfuls for this world. Right, so this is similar to what we saw in the, in the Sepharna being mentioned in the Medrash that a person should ha- have their eye on the Kinyin HaNitzchi, but also in the Targum. And then the acquisition uh, is in subsequent Sukkim, right? the acquisition of, of uh, what they will achieve by giving tzedakah that they will be connected to the righteous in the world to come. So even if it's a smaller gain, as it were, in the world to come, that's more valuable than a seemingly huge gain for this world. Better one hour of the bliss of the world to come from all of the pleasures of this world. And as well, better one hour engaged in in repentance and good deeds, act actions that are good in this world from that that's better than the entire bliss experience in the world to come. And the, the opportunity of this world is is unique and that one hour of opportunity that is actually being utilized towards the self-betterment through tshuva and maizim is actually preferable if one has that opportunity to the sense of tranquility and bliss from what one has already achieved that they will experience in the world to come. And the reason why that's true is because the world to come only comes from the force of this world. It's not disconnected. It's, it's not a world to come that is um, some kind of bliss that has no relationship to this world. It is deeply intertwined with this world. Anything that we have in the world to come is the fruit of the labor of this world. Uh, Nefesh Chaim speaks about this at length, that Olam Haba is built through and grown through our toil in this world. So if a person has the opportunity to work in this world for an eternal gain, that is, is more precious than the bliss that they would actually encounter in the world to come if, if they could have their choice. What, what should they choose is that the moment in this world to do something that, that will yield that eternal value. Better the palm full of tranquility. This refers to the day of Shabbos, the day of rest. From a fistfuls of toil and evil spirit. That's 
the six days of action. To Omar Rabbi Chia Bar Abo Shabbos, as was taught by Rabbi Chia, the son of Abo, the Jewish people will only be redeemed in the merit of the Sabbath. Shabbos is the schus, the merit of the redemption. So, of course, a person can achieve there are mitzvahs to do, there are commandments to fulfill on Shabbos as well as during the week. Shabbos, of course, is one-seventh of the week. And in a certain sense, what we can achieve on that one-seventh is greater than what we can achieve the other six, particularly because the merit of keeping Shabbos, of the Jewish people keeping Shabbos, will bring about the redemption. So in that sense, it's it's more valuable because it will lead to the, the state wherein we can achieve our highest potential. So, so what we can achieve on Shabbos, through the merit of our achievements on Shabbos, we can do more than through the other six days of creative activity. Although we can do a lot there too. That's, that's not the merit of the redemption. The merit of the redemption is through Jewish keep, people keeping Shabbos. Shenema, and this is based on the verse in Isaiah 30:15, Beshuva venachas tivoshem. Beshuva uniyach tivoshum. That's the Midrashic interpretation that the redemption will be brought about through the the nachas, the nayach, the resting of the the, the the resting of the Sabbath is is an opportunity of contemplation. We're we're deliberately restricting ourselves from distraction. That that is the imperative of Shabbos. So not just not engaging in constructive activity, but removing distraction from our experiencing of Shabbos. Amar Rabbi Brachia Tova Sedira Shedoras Kodesh Baruchu Beretz Mitzrayim Shenema Ravati Beretz Mitzrayim Belayla Zeh Mimelo Chafnaim Better the the squashing of that God did in Egypt Mimelo Chafnaim Piachivshon from the two fistfuls it, uh, taken from the furnace, which seems to be a reference to the the Makkah of Kinim, the plague of lice. Lama, why is that? This was a redemption that actually worked. Even though there was a... a a bit of a revelation of God's mastery through the plague of lice. A, the Chartumim, the sorcerers, advisors of Paro said, this is the finger of the divine. They recognized the power of God behind the plague of lice. Nonetheless, the plague of lice did not yield the redemption. It was a step, but not the final step, not, the, not enough 
to bring about the redemption, and that's that was taken from two fistfuls, as it were. So the two fistfuls, although it was it was a, a step, it was not actually enough. Whereas the the passing through, when God passed through Egypt on the night, this night, the night of the slaying of the firstborn, that passing through was revelatory in, in, in the sense that it convinced the Egyptians, Pharaoh and the Egyptians, to finally allow God to take the Jewish people out of Egypt. That was the, the final step. When God himself passed through, feeling God's presence passing through the land of Egypt, that is the, the smaller step. There's, there's no uh, spectacle, as it were. You don't have two fistfuls of ash cast up to the skies and suddenly everybody is struck with the lice. It's, it's the sense of perceiving the divine. That's the melochaf nachas. That, that was the, the awesome experience that they that brought Pharaoh to submission. That encounter with the divine.